I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Greetings, Grapple fans, and welcome to your latest dose of all things uh, pro wrestling here on the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index podcast channel. It's uh, Andy Wills here once again with my audio tag team partner, Mo Chatra, and Mo, uh, doses, that sounds like a disease. Uh, is the WWE really that bad at the moment? <laughs> well, um, it's certainly seen better days, and I hope that uh, I can get back on track. But um, yeah, w- watching WWE programming at the, at the moment feels more like a chore than anything else. Um, so it, it doesn't really fill one with excitement right now. But uh, we will it, we'll explain more as the show goes on, listeners. Yeah, it's, it's, sure, certainly. Um, a dose could be quite apt, actually. Kind of like a dose of salts that's going through you. You know, a bit unpleasant, really. Mm. Um, and it, you know, I, I, look, we was we were speaking off air just before we started to record about, you know, what what we've got to talk about this week, and um, you know, we're saying, look, you know, obviously, Battleground is not the most enthralling and enthusiastic pay per view. The build up towards it. But we're pretty sure we could shine it up with uh, everything that we've got, and we can, you know, we can take this turd and we can shine it real, real nice. Uh, to borrow a phrase from from The Rock, because um, well, right now it has to be said, uh, Vince has got a diamond. When you look through the roster of talent that they've got at WWE, they've got a diamond there, and he's making a diamond look like an absolute turd right now. It's uh, it, it is quite disappointing. The TV is not not too great. Um, the pay the pay per views um, in isolation. There's some good matches on there, but the whole build up, everything, it just doesn't feel quite so special enough at the moment. And something else that's happened this week as well, which we will speak about a little later, is of course um, the whole thing on talking smack. So, but we will get to that and. Everything surrounding it, the, um, you know, how it was announced, um, who was aware of the announcement and who wasn't and whatnot. Yeah, we will get to that, as well as your favourite Punjabi prison match moments that we asked for. Uh, we will share them. Um, they were a bit of a stretch, but, you know, we will try. We will try. But we'll start with Raw. Um, slightly predictable, I've got to say more, was 
the, the main event, um, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns getting interrupted by Braun Strowman. I mean, we, we it was discussed on last week's show, myself and Guy. It's what we kind of expected to happen. Sometimes predictability isn't such a bad thing because it made sense that that would happen. And it's just kind of the way the things are played out. And hopefully, I mean, we didn't get the answers at the end of the show, but hopefully this this is going to set up a fatal four-way at SummerSlam. Certainly that's what myself and Guy were talking about last week. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that one? Yes, that certainly seems to be the direction that it's going to um, be heading in based on what we've seen on TV um, and also at the Great Balls of Fire. So I'd be surprised if they then go back to the original plan of having um, a singles match between Roman Reigns and um, Brock Lesnar. So it certainly seems to be a fatal four-way, at least a triple threat. Um, and the only way that will end up happening is if one of the three of Strowman, Reigns or Samojo um, is taken out of the equation in some kind of injury angle um, and miss the SummerSlam match, but possibly interfere at the end of it or something like that. But, um, yeah, that, that seems to be what will happen. I mean, uh, there is um, a lot of talk um, that sprung up in the last week about Brock Lesnar, in fact. Um, the talk is that um, he might be returning back to the UFC because he's now um, gone back on the um, drug testing regime for USADA, which is the drug te- um, testing agency, and uh, that's the one that's used by UFC. And the talk is that um, he might be looking to get back into UFC yet again. And um, if that's the case, then it's quite conceivable that um, he might drop the title at SummerSlam because he started um, back on that program. And you normally do that um, if you're fighting four or five months after that. So if that's the case, he could be back in UFC December, January time. And given that training camps last about three months, then it could be that SummerSlam might be his... um, farewell in terms of his latest title run so that certainly makes it interesting um, in terms of SummerSlam but yes certainly going into that match at least um, I'd be surprised if it's a singles match I suspect it's a, a four-way as you, as you uh, speculated with Guy last week yeah and, and certainly as we spoke about you know the four-way is an easy way to protect both Lesnar and Strowman, if you're not going to put the title on either, you know, or not going to keep the title on Brock, or you're not going to put the title on Strowman, it's a very, very easy way to to protect both men, so that neither of them looks it can be perceived as being weakened or or is pinned or submit to submit. You know that obviously the pinfall can happen with one of the others, and 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 I suggested more as well is is just that pure dan- uh, dynamic of having four rather than three. So rather than having a spare part constantly having to um, roll out of the ring or have double team situations all the time, you know, you, you, you can easily switch between having two guys working in, in two separate areas. It's uh, just an easier match to book, really. Oh, yeah, I agree totally. It's um, something that will um, work really well. And on top of that, um, you know, you'll have, Know, two 
people in that match that will be well over in Strowman and Samoa Joe, one who will be the complete opposite in um, Roman Reigns. And then who knows what the reaction to Brock Lesnar will be, because if by then um, it's made clear that he's returning to the UFC rather than just taking a, a short break to work another one-off match like he did um, last year or the year before it, whenever it was, um, then they might turn on him. And, um, you know, so you might have two that get vociferously booed and two loudly and heavily cheered. Um, so well, that can certainly add, add to the uh, spice for, for that contest. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting going forward. And, and, and again, you know, we're just over a month away from SummerSlam. So, you know, with, with all the guys involved, it's certainly enough there to keep it uh, keep it going on TV and keep us occupied with having without having to uh, wheel Brock out on a regular basis on Raw. So it's um, it could be interesting the way uh, things go forward. Certainly, like you're saying there, with with Brock changing his um, his testing schedule. So, but just moving across from the Universal Title on Raw over to the other uh, big angle on there, and that angle would be the angle angle. Yeah, th- this is going to become a thing with me. <laughs> and we, we've we had a question from one of the listeners, uh, which is um, from Killian Murphy, who's at Roundino53 on Twitter, who asks, um, for your thoughts on the Angle-Jordan storyline and the state of tag team divisions on both brands, not getting teams over with poor booking and breakups now thrown into the mix as well. So... I guess twofold there, Mo, is obviously your thoughts on that whole uh, Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan storyline, which was, for me, a bit of a throwback to um, the the lesser times of uh, the Attitude Era, the times of the Attitude Era that we try to forget. And, and also the, the the implications that then has on, on, on an already thin tag team division on SmackDown. So I think that um, this whole storyline between um, Angle and Jordan is part of a wider kind of drive that I think Vince has initiated. That uh, he's looked at the declining ratings and he, I think, has put it down to the fact that there's perhaps a lack of episodic storyline um, booking to the product on Raw and SmackDown. And so that's why I think they're trying to come up with these stories that um, have these layers to them and bring questions and create some intrigue um, from one week to the next. So, um, you know, the hook from the previous week was, you know, that we're going to have this big uh, announcement from Kurt Angle. Uh, previous to that, we've seen a similar dynamic to the whole breakup around uh, Enzo and Big Cass. Um, over on SmackDown, you know, the latest thing is um, who's been attacking um, um, the fashion police. So I think there is that kind of effort to try and do some of that. And you could argue, in fact, that it's working because the ratings for Raw that had been on a decline have actually been going up in recent weeks. And you certainly can't say that's because of awesome matches because Raw hasn't really featured... Um, an abundance of really hot matches. So it's obviously something else. And I think what is being attributed to, to that is uh, is the kind of slightly different approach to storyline telling. 
Um, so if anything, I think we're going to we can expect more of the same. That's um, things like um, relationship type angles and stuff like that, love triangles and you know some of the, the kind of stuff we saw in the attitude era, but obviously watered down for the PG era um, is what we'll probably see more of. And normally when that happens, it's usually at the expense of the in-ring product. So um, that that's certainly not great, given that, as you mentioned earlier, they've got such an abundance of talent um, up and down the roster, not only on Raw, but also on SmackDown. So um, and, and on top of that, you know, there, there's certain talent that they're in the company who are far stronger as um, in-ring performers than they are when it comes to the acting side of things. And, telling stories in that regard um so you know, that that might explain why certain people are not being pushed as strongly as you might like or might think they should be pushed so it'll be certainly interesting to see in the coming weeks and months how this whole kind of slight shift in the booking of the tv product um pans out you know whether we'll see more of the same if that increases ratings, whether that will only ramp up. If ratings then dip again, whether they'll come up with something different. Um, but at least I'll, I'll give them credit for one thing. They're, they're trying something. You know, it's better than um, not doing anything, which is something I've been critical of them about. As to whether it's successful, as to whether it will work, as to whether it will make great TV, well, let, let's see how things go. I mean, it's certainly bizarre um, going with, you know, Jason Jordan as the son of Kurt Angle, um, especially in an era when that kind of information is so easily dismissed uh, through the power of Wikipedia and the internet. Um, but yeah, um, that, sorry, yeah, that, that's, still... that, that, that's a real failing on this. You know, it's you could get away with that 20, 25 years ago. Mm. You know, to, to an extent you could get away with that, but the access to inf- the you know the free access to information it's so so prevalent it's so easy now that even kids can go on and go oh that's just a bit ridiculous you know this is silly yeah and yeah, and yeah. it's and it's that kind of the thing is it's for me it's that you ask us to suspend disbelief but then it's the crossover between reality and and fantasy and it's you know what i mean I, I just at the times it's like you know you either you're either in one you're sitting in one box or you're sitting in another, you know, are you going to head in one direction or another? You can't sort of cross back and forth in between, you know, you can't like dip into reality and expect things to look real and feel real and then go to complete fantasy and expect us to suspend our disbelief as though we're watching, you know, a soap opera that we accept is just a drama with actors playing the parts of characters. You know what I mean? There's, I just feel like that they need to, you know, pick a direction and move in that direction rather than, you know, kind of migrate back and forth between them. Well, that's been the problem, you see. I think that there are differences of opinion at the upper echelons of the WWE. I think Vince has a certain view about what WWE's product should be. I think Triple H um, and possibly Stephanie have another view. And there'll be other people like Kevin Dunn, one of the senior producers who leans towards Vince's view of what it should be. Um, and then you'll have other people, um, you know, like Shane, who isn't as powerful as um, Stephanie or Triple H, but certainly still has a little bit of sway. 
uh, again, he'll have his own views. And um, that's why, um, you know, we, we do see um, a slightly inconhe- incoherent approach to talent recruitment as well, because WWE has, for the last two or three years, gone through the indies and swept up so many um, talents who are great workers in the ring, but are not really Vince type of talents. You know, they're not the kind of talents that um, have a, um, a bodybuilder look. They're not the type that have, you know, great charisma, have strong interview skills. You know, they're people that have just worked on the indies and impressed from bell to bell in the ring. Um, but other parts of their game um, are just not there. And, um, you know, we've seen some of those people come through NXT. Um, Roderick Strong is a good example. Um, he's somebody who is an exceptional worker. We've not really seen the best of Roderick, Ro- Roderick Strong rather um, just yet in the ring on NXT. But um, certainly from a personality point of view, it's very clear he's not the most charismatic of individuals. Um, but... Um, at the same time, whilst we've seen an influx of those types, we then see these really big monsters coming through, like your Braun Strowman's, um, the likes of them, um, and they're more the Vince type. And so there is, I wouldn't quite describe it as a power struggle, but there's certainly a difference in ideology um, at the top of the WWE. And I think that's filtering through down to the TV as well. Um, and that's why um, there is inconsistency and uh, a lack of coherence in the way that talent are booked. And that's why, you know, some of them um, seem to be really well pushed for a few months and then they just get buried into mid-card oblivion, um, you know, for another few months. And then the end result is that they get nowhere. Um, And and a good example of that currently is Finn Balor. Now he was um, receiving a great push up until, uh, few months ago and now we're seeing him in a completely wasteful uh, program with the drifter um you know it's just a complete waste of an exceptional talent um but again it might be all down to this difference in ideology you know finn Balor is an exceptional worker in the ring um but is he a great promo no um is he the type that can perform really well in a a storyline um, in the way that somebody like Kurt Angle, who's a great actor, can probably not. So, in terms of that kind of side of things, that's kind of limited with what they can do with Finn Balor. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a bit more of this. We're going to see more Jekyll and Hyde booking, and you know, it's going to be the talent that suffers. So, that's, you know, mm. that's certainly not a good long-term prognosis for direction of travelling the WWE. So, just briefly from that, the tag team perspective, then. Do you think this split then, obviously, we've now got with American Alpha, do you, do you see this as um, detrimental to to both to both the guys involved? I mean, do you, do you feel like they're ready for this in the singles, to move in the singles direction? Or, or do you think it could be potentially be a big opportunity for both guys? I had you asked me this... Um, when they were still in NXT on the verge of moving on to the main roster, I would have said it would be absolutely ridiculous to break them up because they were so great on NXT. They were a fantastic tag team. Since they've been brought up, though, they've just been booked so appallingly 
um, that they've lost all of that momentum from NXT. So I really don't see what they've got to lose by breaking them up. Um, of the two, it's a difficult one again because the reason they came together in the first place is because they complemented each other and they kind of made up for certain shortcomings each other had. You know, G- Gable's got charisma. Um, Jordan's got great athletic ability and um, he's um, very, very good in that way. Gable's a good worker as well, um, but they were just missing certain things. And by coming together, they compensate for those missing elements um, as a unit. Whereas, uh, uh, you know, being taken apart, they might miss some of that. And that's pa- perhaps why they paired Jordan with Kurt Angle, because Angle can perhaps um, make up for some of that that Jordan's missing at this moment in time, um, around that kind of natural charisma. Um, he, he's a very good worker, though. And, you know, he might surprise us. He might really come along strong in this kind of storyline and uh, do something that we've not seen from him thus far. For Gable, I really fear for him because um, you know, I think he's a very good worker, but you know, there, there's lots of very good workers in the WWE and um, there's lots of very good workers that are going nowhere fast. They're you know, just treading water at this moment in time. So he's somebody who probably needs um, a change in his gimmick, um, possibly a heel turn, um, and then you know we might see something... Um, productive in terms of his career direction but um I, I really don't think there's anything to lose by breaking them up because they certainly lost a lot of momentum in the few months that they were over on smackdown yeah i think that's a fair point i guess we'll it's an, another one of those we just have to wait and see how things really pan out uh, and i suppose the way that they have been broken up they haven't done anything in the way that they did with Enzo and Cass. So in theory, they could always put them back together in the future if they really wanted to. So uh, just just briefly then, uh, one more thing on Raw before we move across to SmackDown. I mean, technically it's Raw. Uh, another listener, Mark Kellaway, uh, who's uh, at Mark Kellaway on Twitter, asks about Paige and her status within the WWE. Um, what What do you feel... Her future is. Does she actually have a future within WWE? It's. Um, I know there's a lot of things being put about on social media with her lately, and it's. Uh, it, it's quite concerning. Some of it. Oh, it's very concerning. It's. It's so sad, isn't it? Because you know, she's a young girl. She's only 24 years of age, I think. Um, she's been wrestling forever, though, um, because she comes from a wrestling family. Her mum is a wrestler. Dad's a wrestler. Brothers are wrestlers. She's got a nephew that wrestles, um, the whole family wrestles. So it's in her blood. And um, for her to be sidelined in the way she has been, obviously she's had a neck injury as well that's not helped. But um, this relationship with Alberto has just been a disaster for her because up until then she was a popular member of the WWE roster. Granted, at the time she um, um, departed from the roster due to injury, um, she wasn't in a prominent spot um, you know, in terms of the female division, but um, you know, she was amongst the more popular talents and uh, it probably would have been a matter of time before she would have gone back into the title picture, um, you know, feuding with um, you know, the top stars on Raw. But um, yeah, this whole relationship's just been 
so so messy. Um, Alberto Del Rio is just a head case anyway. He is allegedly, um, you know, into hard drugs. Um, he's somebody who's certainly had significant behavioural issues in the last couple of years. Certainly since he departed from the WWE, but even whilst he was there, um, got in fights, uh, beat his own brother up in Germany, was arrested for that, had other arrests in the US, um, had, you know, very public bust-ups with Paige. Um, the incident with Paige at the airport, um, you know, there were comments that were captured by um, a fan on um, her phone, which was then shared on TMZ. It really made for bad listening for both individuals, in fact, not just for Alberto. Um, the long and short of it is, and, and until she gets away from him, um, she has no career. And uh, that's so sad because she's a girl with a lot of talent. She's got so much to give. Wrestling is all she knows. And um, you know, for that career to have fizzled out in the way it has, it's so sad but it still can be resurrected because as i say she's only 24 she needs to be removed from that environment she needs to be taken away from it and a large part of that is her accepting that she's in um a bad situation and um the difficulty is is that at this moment in time she's in complete denial about about all of this you know they they only split up a few weeks ago and within a week they were back together so he clearly has control and influence over her. And, um, you know, it's something that her family are trying to intervene in and try to resolve. But it's difficult for them. She's thousands of miles away in a different country. And, um, you know, it, it's something that, you know, we will not get fixed in terms of her career. Um, I've got to give credit to WWE. It would have been very easy for them to have already um, wished all the best in the future endeavours. They've not done that. Um, is this issue with Alberto in terms of alleged battery a third strike? Maybe, maybe not. If it was, I think, as I say, WWE probably would have future endeavoured there by now. Um, I think that they're seeing if she does break up with Alberto. Um, he, he certainly tried his best to try and force the WWE's hand in sacking her because he said some really, really controversial stuff about the WWE in the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, even despite that, they've not let her go. So my feeling is they want to keep her. They have faith in her. They think that she can come back and continue and resume her career. Um, but until she breaks up with Alberto, um, that career will not be resumed in the WWE. Yeah, it's it's very it's certainly very difficult to see any other way, and um, can only hope uh, things turn out positively. Uh, and that's probably as much as we should say on that. So, moving across the SmackDown side of it, and before we get into um, a battleground preview, just briefly on Talking Smack, uh, news came out during the week that that Talking Smack had been cancelled as a weekly show. And we'll just be on after the pay-per-views. Uh, much to the uh, surprise and chagrin, shall we say, of um, the two main people on there, uh, Renee Young and Daniel Bryan, uh, they, they were um, not 
uh, not shy in uh, expressing their uh, surprise, shall we say, at uh, finding out that the show had been cancelled. Uh, Renee Young tweeting, um, you know, that's one way to get the news. And Daniel Bry tweeting that he'd come online to support uh, Sammy, uh, Sammy for Syria, uh, to only to find out the news, <laughs> or adding that nobody tells him anything. So, um, <laughs> slightly surprising in in that uh, you know you, you're going to cancel a show on your network and you're not going to inform you know the people involved in it, and uh, yeah. certainly not a good way to find out what's happening like that. Um, it's it was I thought for a while it was a good show I must admit I was starting to get sort of disenchanted with it because it became it became more of a, a, a more like a, a backstage segment almost you know the way that things were so heavily scripted in its its better moments I enjoyed the fact that it felt so fresh and real uh, and the fact that you know, certainly early on in it, people seemed to be unscripted and that they, they, you know, that they could relax and then their characters came through a bit more. So it, it's a shame. I think it was an interesting format, but um, the introduction of 205 kind of disjointed it somewhat. So what what about yourself, Mo? What are your thoughts on this whole situation with Talking Smack being cancelled as a weekly show? Yeah, I mean... It's a shame in that they were doing something different, and um, you know, one one of the things is that it demonstrated that when people are allowed to be a bit more like themselves um, and cut promos that are a bit more realistic, um, their mic work can be a lot more effective. And uh, one of the main beneficiaries of that was the Miz. Um, um, a large part of the reason why he's had a bit of a career renaissance over the last 12 months is um, largely down to that show. Um, he cut that very memorable promo, um, you know, with Daniel Bryan about a year ago now, wasn't it? Or just less than that. And um, hasn't looked back since. And, um, you know, that that's the sort of stuff that, if anything, they should be doing more of on the main TV show rather than on a separate show. Um, and if, if the plan is to do more of that on the main show, then, then fine. Um, but, um, you know, I, I can understand why Vince, and it was, I believe, a Vince call for cancelling the show. I can understand why he's made that call. It's that, look, you know, there, there's so much content that fans are being asked to keep in touch with that, um, you know, so, sometimes it can drive people away. Um, when there's only when there used to be only two shows just for one SmackDown, um, you know, the more hardcore WWE fans would just about be able to keep on top of that four hours of TV a week. Then raw went to five hours. Then, you know, we've had these weekly kind of talk shows in and around, um, raw and SmackDown. We've got the pre-shows, we've got NXT, we've got two five live. And, now, as we've seen with UFC, for example, if you just put out too much content, then, you know, it can drive fans away because they think, right, there's just so much that we're being asked to try and keep on top of that um, I'm really struggling. I've got eight, nine hours that they want me to keep on, in, in touch with and, you know, try and keep up with, and it's just too much. And it is drives this, some fans away. Sorry, Mo, is this perhaps then a wider issue and then... And, and a consequence of the network 
you know, that they've got this 24-hour network and it's not just, you know, a library that you access and you can watch stuff on demand, that they're actively using it as as like a TV channel that's 24-7, that the content is so saturated and it's so accessible anytime that rather than concentrating your your viewership into, you know, two four-hour blocks, you know, a couple of two-hour blocks through the week or a three and a two-hour block, it's so spread out over a week that people are just picking and choosing here and there. And, and then consequently, you know, you, people are losing. I, I know a lot of TV shows have got a lot less viewers than, than traditionally they used to because of the way that TV's moved on anyway. But is this part of why, you know, the ratings are, are plummeting? Yeah, I think it is. Um, in fact, I'm writing an article for Total Wrestling Magazine to get my plug in early um, in next month's issue about ratings and specifically uh, ratings on Sky. Um, Raw's um, ratings on Sky have plummeted to an incredible extent. Um, you know, they used to draw hundreds of thousands of viewers. Obviously, Raw airs and always has aired uh, multiple times a week on Sky Sports and um, the live show um, that used to actually get over 100,000 viewers staying up at silly hours on a Monday night, Tuesday morning. Um, now that viewership is down to about 15 to 18,000 viewers. Um, so it's, it's, and that's been a drop in only the last year or two. Massive, massive drop. Um, and I think you know, you can certainly point at the WWE Network as a contributor to all of that. Um, but on top of that, um, you know, you've got stuff on YouTube where you know you can catch highlights from the WWE's official channel. And for a lot of fans, that they just are content with that. They don't want to sit through two hours and three hours of stuff. Um, they'll just happily watch, you know, five or ten minutes of the key start, uh, highlights. And, um, you know, if there's a really hot angle... Um, once every few weeks, I'll watch the whole thing um, again on readily available on YouTube or the network or wherever. And um, that, that's 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 enough for them. So the way in which WWE fans um, consume the WWE product has changed significantly in the last um, couple of years. And the network's played a big part in that. But not only the network, um, I, I think that... Um, the way that content providers have moved um, generally and more widely is also influenced that viewing habits have certainly significantly shifted. You know, the likes of YouTube, the likes of Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, they've all re- radically changed the way in which people consume programming. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's different. It's very different. And uh, the WWE, I think, really has to try and address that issue. They need to move with the times. And that that's the dilemma they've got, because the more content they produce, which is under the banner of the WWE, um, the more of a turn off it will be for fans. You know, they want product that's easy to follow. And, um, you know, those more successful TV shows out there, um, those that are very simple and easy to follow. And um, WWE programming increasingly isn't because there's more and more of it. 
And so that that's the dilemma they've got. That on the one hand, they want to keep those network subscriber numbers increasing, but on the other hand, um, their traditional content is suffering because um, viewing habits are changing, and um, you know they they feel obliged. Well, not obliged, but um, they feel that it's necessary to put out more and more content, and you know that that will only continue. Um, mm. But um, I think one of the solutions to that might be that um, you know, they come up with um, more deals with independent companies and use them to provide their original content for the network. So it means that their own WWE brand content um, isn't overexposed. Um, but they're certainly in danger of that at the moment. And uh, again, that perhaps explains why... Um, They've got this real problem in the company around um, talent feeling like they're not being used right because um, there's just so much programming to fill up. Um, they can get through what normally might have been two months worth of storylines in the past, you know, in the matter of a couple of weeks now. And um, they regularly and constantly have having to uh, come up with new ideas for people. And, you know, in the past, you know, you could have, one worker have two programs and that lasts them for a full year. Whereas nowadays it will, they're lucky if that gets them through a month. Yeah. I, I think part of that that is, is because there's so much programming and it's this, the saturation there is we just keep seeing the same people having the same matches week after week after week. And then we come to, we come to a, a pay-per-view event and we've already seen it so many times that it's not fresh. It's not exciting it's happened and be, and the fan reaction isn't what they anticipate, isn't what they hope for. So they move on to something else and it just keeps moving and moving and moving because we're, we're seeing the same people fight each other week after week on, to, on TV. And it's um, something to, to be said for, for that traditional era of using jobbers a lot on TV, you know, and keeping main protagonists away from each other. And, just looking, moving on to Battleground, looking at the Battleground card, I mean, one at the bottom of the card, something that jumps out at me straight away for that is, you know, Sami Zayn's going to be taking on uh, Mike Bennett, or known on WWE TV as Mike Kanellis. Now, we've just seen that match on SmackDown, but they're going to be fighting again at Battleground. Uh, and I can't say, although both guys good workers and they could have a really good match, I'm not in, in any way enthralled and and excited at the prospect of watching that. No, me neither. Um, you know, and that brings us again to uh, another discussion, which is almost a pod in itself about um, WWE pay-per-views, or at least they, these big shows were known as pay-per-views. Um, you know, these shows were supposed to feature special matches that you wouldn't see on TV. You know, as you point out, Increasingly, the matches that are being served up on um, these monthly pay-per-views or even fortnightly now um, are matches that we're seeing on TV each week. And uh, you know, the only real difference might be that we've got perhaps more gimmick matches on the big pay-per-view shows um, as opposed to TV. Um, but the kind of difference between your regular TV and um, these specials, these pay-per-views, um, that those lines are being blurred all the time, and uh, you know, before long there'll be 
you know, virtually negligible difference between the two. And it, when that happens, then um, that's certainly bad news for subscriber numbers again, because, you know, it's the pay-per-views being available uh, on the network for, you know, your nine ninety nine a month uh, subscription. That was the big selling point. And uh, if they're just another TV show, then um, you know, they're certainly less attractive to uh, potential new subscribers. Um, as for the match itself, uh, yeah, it's, you know, the first of a number of examples on the, on the card of misuse of talent. Sami Zayn, exceptional worker, one of the more over talents on SmackDown, has been misused for months. Um, you know, he really should win this match, but I really don't think he will. Um, uh, I've got a feeling that they'll put over Mike Kanellis, who's he's an okay worker, but he's he's pretty vanilla. He's really ordinary. Um, given some of the other much better talent on the roster. Um, but because he's new, Maria's back with him. Um, I've got a feeling that they'll put him over and um, Sammy will job yet again. Uh, Matt should be okay, um, but um, yeah, complete misuse of him. Yeah, he's been presented as a bit of a goofball, which is it's never a successful formula. Um, <laughs> next one up on there. On, on my list is AJ Styles against Kevin Owens for the, the United States championship. And, you know, again, this is a, you know, we've seen these two go back and forth quite often, but I'm still looking forward to this because there is a slight dynamic change in this, that the title changed hands, uh, in a, just in a live event off TV. And quite whether or not they bring this few to an end here, um, it remains to be seen, but um, I, I think these two, they haven't had their peak moment yet. So I'm looking forward to this match just to, just as much as anything to see if, you know, these two can really hit the, hit this one out of the park. Yeah, I mean, ordinarily, this should be um, an amazing match. Uh, these are two of the elite workers in the entire business. And um, if they're given any reasonable length of time, you know, they should construct a a hell of a match. Um, I think I read somewhere about um, Owens having an injury, which is why, because he dropped the title to um, Styles in, was it in Madison Square Garden? Yeah, it was at MSG, yeah. Um, and I think that there was some talk that that was due to Owens having suffered an injury and that he might not even be able to work Battleground. Um, so if, if that's true, then... Um, you know, it might be that the match itself might not be quite as great as it otherwise would be um, if Owens does have an injury that needs um, him to hit the sidelines for a bit just to recover from it. But, um, you know, it's another one which I'm not really excited about, surprisingly, because, yes, they're exceptional workers, but um, the way they've been booked, the storylines have been so uninspiring on SmackDown um, really hasn't got me excited for it in the slightest. And um, the only thing that gets me excited in, in a way is the fact that I know these are very, very good workers. But um, you know, the TV is what should get you really pumped up for this. I mean, look, look at, you know, just take a recent example of Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. You know, they went on this big publicity campaign with these press conferences um, before large crowds um, in the last week or week and a half. And, um, 
Now, those worked so effectively. They got everyone pumped up for um, this boxing match between the two, even though on paper it's a complete mismatch. mismatch. I mean, Floyd May, where there is um, arguably the greatest boxer of all time, and um, he's up against somebody who's never had a boxing fight in his life. Um, but nonetheless, um, because of their personalities and the way that they've cut their promos and everything, um, everyone's hyped for it and it will do record business. Whereas in the WWE, we've got this recurring theme of um, programs, rivalries that should get you excited that after three, four weeks, have you anything but because of the way that they're booked. And this is yet another example of that. So as for the match, I think it'll be really good. I think Styles will win just because of the um, talk about Owens having an injury. Um, and uh, that that's all I can really expect out of that match. Um, and I think after that, Styles will then move on to another opponent um, on the SmackDown after this show. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that. Um, certainly, yeah, the, the way that it's been booked has been uninspiring and certainly not been the best use of the two. Like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to it just purely for the impact product and uh, an anticipation of, of hopefully these two, uh, you know, putting their best stuff together. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we talk about people not being used very well. The next one up is a, is a classic, another, shall we say, another great uh, classic example of that. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura against Baron Corbin. Now, Corbin has got the money in the bank briefcase, so obviously they're going to want to make him look strong. Shinsuke Nakamura has come up, uh, was was used so brilliantly and effectively by NXT, made to feel like an absolute star. They've brought him up. At first, he felt like a star. But then they're putting him in matches, and it's you know the the way that they construct the matches is so 50-50. You know the the actual the working of the matches is is as parity as the booking as who's winning matches. So I feel like Nakamura is losing some of that specialness, and in a match against Baron Corbin, it's going to be difficult for it to be a great match, and and I just worry about the direction they're heading with him. Yeah, so do I. I mean, he's another one who built up a great head of steam on NXT um, since he's come up to the main roster. Um, you know, his run has been certainly under, underwhelming. And um, we all know, and it's very clear, very charismatic, super talented in the ring. Um, but that doesn't count for much at this moment in time in the WWE. There's lots of very, very talented workers who are not being used as effectively as they can be. Um, you know, I talked about kind of battle of ideologies earlier on, and this is perhaps an example of that. You know, in Nakamura, you've got somebody who's um, certainly a pet project for Triple H. You know, Triple H was quite instrumental in bringing Nakamura in from New Japan, whereas Baron Corbin is certainly more of a Vince type of worker, you know, very big, um, not necessarily a great in-ring worker, but um, more of a traditional WWE type of talent um so the outcome of this match might give a, a bit of a clue about uh, again where vince wants things to head um you know and make no mistake you know vince is still you know the number one 
when it comes to decision making the WWE is powerful as Triple H is ultimately the decisions rest with Vince and uh, you know if Nakamura loses this match which he shouldn't but there's always that possibility then um, that certainly might give uh, a clue about where Nakamura's um, future lays in the WWE um, but also more widely about um, where Vince wants to take um, the direction of SmackDown and uh, I've talked at length in the past about the, how, how SmackDown, if anything, should be the more in-ring orientated of the two shows and have sports entertainment as the focus of Raw. Um, but if anything, we're seeing more sports entertainment on, on SmackDown at the moment. And I think the product overall on that side is suffering as a result. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. That's something I've noticed the last few weeks in particular. You know, SmackDown was 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 more like the hardcore wrestling type of show. It was more simplistic. Um, it was easy to watch. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was quite snappy. Uh, definitely easier to get through. And recently, it's become more the soap opera. It's become a lot more like Raw, and, and that's and that's not a good thing because. You know, that's what I liked about it, that it was different to Raw. So we had two different shows and, and it's not that, you know, they've become so similar. But like you say, Raw, if anything, is moving, start to move slightly in the other direction. And, yeah. you know, the roster doesn't fit it. And it's, it is, it should, it is such a shame. And yeah, I, it's the thing is Nakamura is, is a special talent. You know, there are some special talents on that roster and Nakamura is one of them. He is very special and he's and he's been made to feel special and look special, and and I, my concern is that the the way that he's he was used in the way that the matches were booked and constructed with uh, with Ziggler was that it's he's just another guy he's just another guy on the roster and it's like oh my god you know you know that that's such an opportunity that you would be missing out on you know to to just make him look like another guy is. It's just madness. It really is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. And, um, you know, that, that's what's so sad because, you know, if you look at the WWE roster in terms of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and even those that are um, just about coming through, I mean, I'll talk at the end about some talents that WWE has signed in the last, or about to sign in the last week, week and a half. Um, but, um, now, the roster in terms of in-ring talent has arguably never been stronger. So really they've got no excuse for not putting out some amazing matches on a weekly basis on all of their TV shows and having some unbelievable shows on pay-per-view on the network. And yet that's not happening. And that's because, um, uh, A, this kind of uh, conflict of what the WWE's product should be, uh, but B, because... Um, you know, there's such a epidemic of um, misuse of talent. So that's yeah. so sad. I mean, just as, for us to start blasting through this card, it's you know an, another example of uh, of badly uh, representing talent. The women's five way elimination match, you know, to determine the number one contender to the women's. Uh, uh, SmackDown Women's Championship and they're going to fight at uh, SummerSlam. You've got Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch versus Natalia versus Tamina versus Lana. Now, 
Again, Charlotte Flair is another one that's been made to look like just another member of the roster. Not feeling so special on SmackDown. Uh, you know, these these crappy backstage segments that are really terrible. They're really hawky. They're really wooden. They're not in any way convincing. Uh, I'm I'm dreading this match, I must admit. I'm absolutely dreading this match. And it's, again, you know, this whole thing of misusing talent and and not building properly. It's, it's such a... <laughs> It's a crying shame, and and we say this because we're fans. You know, we are wrestling fans, we're long-term wrestling fans, and we want to see the business succeed. We want to see WWE do well, and and it is frustrating when you see the amount of talent that's there. Absolutely. I mean, if you're listening, you love what you're seeing on Raw and SmackDown every week, then um, you're probably not enjoying what we're what we're having to say. But um, look, I mean, it's very difficult to objectively say. That the WWE TV product is is hot or great at the moment, or even good for that matter. It, in our view, it, it just simply isn't. Um, and you know, this match is another example of that. The booking of this whole program has been really poor. Um, Charlotte Flair on Raw was the hottest female, arguably in the business. Um, you know, was used to close out Raws, to main event Raws, to main event Raw pay per views. Um, since she's came over, been turned face, it's just been a complete and utter, utter disaster. So um, it's not worked at all. And as a result of that, the female division on SmackDown has um, suffered. And uh, you know this match has got no excitement about it, no momentum um, going into the show. Nobody really cares. Um, and I don't think um, anyone's too bothered who who ends up winning the the contest to become the number one contender. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but I completely agree. Although I have a sneaking suspicion that it could be Charlotte and we may see potentially see some kind of a turn in the process of all this. Yeah, I think that the fact she's been jobbing more than she perhaps had for a whole year on Raw um, is normally a sign that um, you know they're about to... Um, move on to a winning streak. And um, so I think you're right. I think uh, there's certainly signs that, that that could happen with a turn and um, leading obviously into that feud with, with a champ. Uh, another one on there that I, I'm not enamoured about is, is uh, Rusev has returned and was straight into a match with John Cena, who's just come back onto WWE TV. I mean, we, we've seen this feud before except then it was hot. Now it's, it feels forced. I, I mean, in 2017, we're having a flag match. Seriously. It's uh, this, it, this really doesn't get me going at all. I, I've got to say it really doesn't. No, me neither. Um, no, Cena just feels like he's come back to just fill time between, um, Hollywood gigs or, presenting tv shows so uh he doesn't feel like he's you know a proper part of the roster anymore and uh, that's a shame because when you know he cut those promos on the rock um, about how he's always there um you know you believed it because he was always there whereas for the last you know 12 18 months he's rarely around i imagine it won't be long before um he disappears for another couple of months to do some other piece of work outside of the WWE. So it just feels like something to just help buy this time. 
Um, and so as a result, there's really no nothing to this. Uh, and it, obviously, it's something that we've seen a zillion times before. So, um, you know, th- there's no real anticipation for it. And uh, again, I really don't care much about who wins it. Um, you know, if anything, Rusev should because, you know, he's the full timer. Um, but if anything, that suggests it will be the part timer that will win in John Cena. Yeah, I, I I fully expect John Cena to win. Um, and again, it's the, the whole direction of SmackDown right now. I think it really needs um, a big big shake up. It, it it's drifting in a in a a very disappointing direction at the moment. And the tag team championships, um, the the only two viable teams on the roster, it seems at the moment, the Usos and New Day fighting again. Uh, do we see the title change this time? Um, I, I think we might do, yes. Um, I think that it will give the New Day a chance to come out with their um, WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship um, hip-thrusting kind of stick, um, which they've not been able to do for a few months now. Um, and that that's probably it. Um the Usos as champs um, have done nothing for me. Um, the New Day, as an act, feel tired as well. So, you know, it's not something that um, will leave people with um, great feelings one way or another. I wouldn't have thought in terms of who does end up walking out of that match as champions. Um, you know, the, it was leading on from another question that we were asked about the tag team divisions and, uh, you know, Clearly, both divisions are not strong at the moment, and uh, SmackDowns especially. And um, there's certainly a case to be made that you know the SmackDown, sorry, the tag team division should be merged um, in much the same way that the women's division should be merged and just be um, um, located on one one or other of the two main shows. Um, but yeah, it's um, something that's only really had the highlight of. Xavier Woods and his rated R um, rap battle thing from about three weeks back. Um, but that's been the only thing to get excited about in any way remotely. Other than that, um, again, poorly booked. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think the match will be fine. Um, I think there's a good chance New Day will walk away as the new champions. Um, but again, is it going to really change the dynamic of the division in the way it needs to? Probably not. Yeah, the, the words poorly booked have been used quite a lot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that is a shame. Uh, that just leaves us with the WWE Championship. Uh, Jinder Mahal defending the title against Randy Orton in a Punjabi prison match. Now, last week we asked you, the listeners, to send us your favourite Punjabi prison match moments. And uh, the best we could muster up was uh, from Ali Thompson, um, who was struggling and said it was up there with the scaffold match as worst ever. And uh, we got one as well <laughs> from Mark Kellaway as um, the, the best the best part in both the, pun- the previous uh, Punjabi prison matches was the bell at the end so that we knew it was over and could forget about it. Um is it three third times a charm here, or are we in for another absolute? Um, well, cluster. There's no other way of saying it, really. 
Well, yeah, that, that's probably a fair description. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't see um, how it could possibly end up as a good match. Uh, they might try to um, bring in the bells and whistles, um, but um, you know, R- Randy Orton is increasingly becoming becoming quite a boring worker to watch. Um, we're a real bundle of joy this week, aren't we, on on this show? Um, and um, Jinder Mahal, you know, is clearly very limited in what he can do. Um, so, you know, at best, you know, they'll pull together a, a decent, maybe a good match. But, you know, let's face it, the chances are it, it won't be it won't be enjoyable viewing. Being the main event, you know, it, it's unlikely to go ten minutes because it doesn't involve Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. Um, so they're probably going to go nearer to twenty minutes, maybe longer than that. And uh, it's not a match that historically has delivered exciting matches. So um, are we going to be treated to a five-star match? Well, I think there's more chance of seeing Kylian Mbappe at um, signing for Liverpool in the next few weeks than there is of um, that match being an excellent match. So, yeah, it's going to end the show on a suitably low note. Um and um, that's probably about right because, as a show, barring one or two matches, I really haven't got high hopes for it. it, it I, I, I think it, I would be surprised if it isn't one of the worst WWE pay-per-views of 2017. Yeah, I, I'd actually say there's more chance of Kylian Mbappe signing for Darlington than there is <laughs> of this being a five-star match. Um, I, I just, I really do see this being an absolute shitstorm. It's it's a it's an awful gimmick match it's it's really it's not it's not set up to be aesthetically pleasing you've also got a jobber a guy who's been for years has been presented as a jobber suddenly is your wwe champion against a guy like you said who is who's not a natural baby face um he is a natural heel presented as a baby face with a ball with what is now a boring character going through the motions this is just going to be I, I i'm afraid i'm sorry but this is going to be a poor match and and i and i do see i can only envisage mahal keeping the title and hopefully hopefully they have something lined up for for uh, SummerSlam that can at least you know give us something in in terms of tv to follow on from this to to pick up the mood because the, the title has been in a lull um, and SmackDown as a TV product has been in a lull for, for a few months now, so it really desperately needs something. But um, I can't see it being a positive end to um, a, a, an otherwise underwhelming uh, pay-per-view. So uh, our hopes are not high. I think it's fair oh. to say that. Um, just before we go then, Mo, you mentioned you were going to uh, talk about a few people that have been signed to WWE. Yes, that's right. So um, WWE's um, had its eye on a number of talents that have been in Ring of Honor over the last several years. And um, they had been a bit of a legal dispute which had prohibited WWE from signing these talents sooner. But it looks like that's been... Resolved now. So, um, talents um, in Kyle O'Reilly, um, 
Bobby Fish and um, Dominic Dijak are three of the names that are um, all coming in or have already signed for the WWE. Um, these are all very good talents. Dijak's one to really keep an eye on. Six foot five, 260 pounds. Very athletic. Saw him live in Leicester um, just a few months ago, in fact, late 2016 for Ring of Honor. Um, had a heck of a match with a great worker in uh, Leo Rush. And um, they're certainly going to spice things up on the NXT roster um, when they eventually uh, end up on there in the coming weeks and months. So um, good acquisitions for the WWE. Um, but again, more Triple H type acquisitions than Vince type acquisitions. So in terms of their long term prospects, um, who, who knows? But um, nonetheless, good good for them. And, you know, it's something that they'll obviously uh, devote their careers to. So the fact that they're now in, you know, is certainly great news for them. Yeah, Bobby Fish has already uh, debuted this past week on, on NXT and certainly looks uh, interesting. He, he had uh, quite a match with Alistair Black. That was um, inter- that was entertaining and, and the fans really sort of got into it. So, uh, yeah, it should, should be interesting to see uh, see how the guys do. And NXT certainly seems to be um, the the ideal place for uh, for some of these Triple H signings. Um, it, that the ethos um, matches, I think, is 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 the the kindest way to put it. Um, but that's it for another show. Here we're uh, rapidly out of time. Uh, but before we do go more, anything you'd like to uh, quickly plug, and where can the uh, the listeners catch you on social media? Um, so at Mo Chatter on Twitter is where you can follow me. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've got an article coming out on WWE's programming on Sky and its relationship with Sky. Um, so that will be out in August. And um, more details of that will be shared uh, when the issue is about to come out. Excellent. Look forward to that one. Certainly look forward to that article on uh, on on uh, ratings and uh, We'll get that. We'll give that plenty of coverage on the uh, the PW Index uh, Twitter account, which is at PW underscore Index. Uh, but that's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with a review of Battleground and anything else that's uh, making the news. And uh, hopefully, it turns out to be a better show than we uh, we expected. But uh, till then, uh, my thanks to more Chatter, my audio tag team partner once again uh, our thanks to you the listeners for uh, for staying with us and for hitting that download button every week but until next week uh, from myself Andy Wales here at the PW Index it's bye bye now Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 